And good evening and welcome to this episode of Chew the Could. I'm John Houston, Director of Business Services with Protrition Feed. Thank you for joining us this evening. Let me introduce to you uh, my guests that I have with me this evening, Dr. Jay Hamby. Uh, Dr. Hamby is uh, a consultant by day in training, education, and research, but uh, certainly operates a fantastic sheep operation and a livestock uh, operator for years and years and years, and uh, we're proud to have you, Dr. Hamby, uh, on this segment. Josh Norman, Josh's uh, day job is an ag teacher at Spring Hill High School, uh, but operates uh, a great goat operation over there in the Thompson Station area, both commercial and uh, registered uh, side to, to your business. Thank you, Josh, for being here. We have Josh Woodward. Two Josh's on the program. I'll try to keep them straight. So Josh Woodward, uh, Josh, thank you for being here. Josh uh, is the uh, manager of the United Producers uh, Sale Barn in Columbia, Tennessee, uh, formerly uh, the Tennessee Livestock Producers Barn, uh, a great asset. Uh, to Tennessee uh, Livestock Marketing, and uh, so uh, appreciate you being here as well. Then we have Mark Powell. Uh, Mark uh, has been in the uh, uh, sheep business uh, for all your life, Mark, and uh, certainly we appreciate you being here and by day uh, works at the Tennessee Department of Agriculture, a great partner to Protrition Feed and the co-op system. Uh, so as we start, I want to focus this segment more about marketing uh, gentlemen and, 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 and all the different ways that we go about that. Um, and so I want to start really, uh, uh, Josh Wilbur with you and, and, uh, you know, you're operating, uh, on average two sales a week over there in, or two sales a month, I should say, over there in, in, uh, Columbia, uh, selling, I think you told me over 30,000 head, uh, uh, probably this year of sheep and goats. And, and what, what do you see, uh, as people come in with, with, with their, uh, uh, kids or their lambs or whatever the case may be. Uh, it is a graded sale. And uh, what, what do you see that we as producers really should be doing if we're leaving money on the table because we're not doing what? Sure. So what I see with the market is um, we have folks that either sell their kids way too little uh, they pull them straight off the, the the mother and bring them to the market or they the same thing with their lambs they don't they don't hit what i would consider a sweet spot in our community for for a market which is a, a 50 to 70 pound kid goat or, or or lamb um just because of our market demands in this area um so getting getting a, and obviously we're a graded sale so getting a a, a lamb or kid to uh grade what we consider primer choice uh, through our state grader. Um, could take some supplement for that uh, if they don't have good forage, but uh, uh, just leaving, selling too little is the biggest thing I see. Real good. And I've been guilty of that myself, so so I certainly under understand that. And you get into some situations sometimes and, and I've certainly been uh, been guilty of that myself and I've I've felt it on the on the back end too, you know. But uh, uh so Dr. Hamby, I know you uh uh are more in uh the, the high quality genetic side and and uh, the the um show side and and uh, that type of thing. So fr from a uh uh, I guess a show stock side. How would you go about marketing uh, 
show animals and are there specific sales? Are there, you know, I know private treaty certainly, but, but uh, how would you go about selling your um, sheep into that show market? You bet. And, and John, the market's really changed in the last decade substantially on that front. Uh, we used to see shows marked like Sedalia, Missouri, the Midwest stud ram sale being a key place to market show stock and seed stock animals. But over the fullness of time, we've seen sales like that one diminish substantially in terms of their relevance. Uh, uh, Dan Willoughby uh, had the had a great idea with an online sales engine to to market uh, to market show stock, and to that end, the online world has exploded in that regard. And you know, Dan has several competitors out there too uh, that that offer online options for people with with show stock. And so today, if you're a larger breeder, certainly that's the way you you pretty much have to go to market uh, in terms of just getting those animals out there online. And it's uh, sales happen early. I mean, they they move up each year. It's not unusual now to see the first sale starting in late February, early March, in terms of just where you're seeing some of these, anywhere from October born to November, December born lambs, <laughs> certainly at the end of the January is where they just explode in ter- in terms of number of online auctions. Now, all that stated. I'll back up a half step there too, and you really have to get these animals presented well for those online sales in terms of taking the right kind of pictures. Fortunately, camera technology has improved demonstrably along with the prevalence of these online sales. But again, just getting these animals positioned right for those markets probably going to mean you talk about, you know, getting them fed right, maybe with some supplement, bloom them up just a little bit to make them look really, really good in terms of just putting an extra covering condition on them and uh, getting those animals attractive to get placed into those homes. By the time you get into the March-April market for show and seed stock, it starts to wane a bit because, you know, the show pens are full. People start running out of money. Uh, But then notwithstanding, we still do quite a bit of direct treaty business, have some clients that, you know, come to us each year, you know, maybe not looking for that ultra-premium animal, uh, but are going to come in and buy something middle of the road where it's more of a project focus and uh, they're trying to get that full experience. And so a lot of our, what I would call mid-market lambs, are going to be still yet sold on private treaty basis. So, uh, so Josh, when you talk about it from a, from a goat standpoint, and in particular from that show market, uh, I know things are a lot the same. But, but I also know uh, uh, from uh, uh, experience there are some particular sales in, in the area that do extremely well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, uh, getting a... Uh, a kid or a, 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 a young doe or, or whatever ready for one of those sales and uh, what you have to do uh, to be sure that you do well in, in one of these uh, registered uh, sales uh, and, and talk to me a little bit about what is marketable from a color standpoint mm-hmm. and what's not marketable. Uh, so pretty much like Dr. Wishamby was saying, uh, you want to get them bloomy. You want them to be phenotypically correct, but you also want them to have that good cover, especially with the registered stock. Um, bigger is always better, it seems. Uh, getting them ready for the sales, you want to keep them on feed. You want to keep them as stress-free and happy as they can be. You're going to build that hair. Um, as much as it is about the animal, the hair game is really coming in with the, the registered goats and everything. Um, so you're going to be working that as well as your nutrition side of things. Um in terms of some of the live sales, there's quite a few just here in Tennessee, um, either in Tennessee or surrounding states that have really stepped up. And there's consigners from all across the country. Uh, we were at a sale recently 
just across the state line in Kentucky, there was people from Minnesota, Michigan, South Dakota, all around the Southeast and everything. Um, but you want to present your animal in the best of its aspect, um, almost as if you were ready to take it into a champion drive at your, your state show or something, because you want the, the customer and the client to be able to see if this is what it looks like at this stage, at this size, this gives us an idea of what it will be. Um, and the other part of that is social media. I mean, getting them out there for people to see, to build interest in the sale is just as important as having a good animal. Um, with the goats now, depending upon your sale, there's different sales that are categorized for different things almost. Um, primarily in the show world, traditional show the best. But it's kind of funny at the same time in the sale world, some of the dapples actually sell better. So we're, we're seeing a, a transition. We're seeing more and more dapples and paints coming into the show world as well um, that are doing very well. There was a buck the last year that, that did extremely well, um, and they had collected him and, and sold straws off of him, and he was not a traditional. He was a paint buck, but he's done some very good kids and everything. So, so getting them ready uh, at home, nutrition, working hair, uh, making the contacts. I mean, it. It's who you know. I mean, getting getting your name out there, having a quality product, and as much that after the sale is just as important. Being able to continue to work with the person that purchased that animal. I know my genetics. I know what works best on feed. I know what works best on hair care and how to grow them out, what supplements they need. So that's one thing we try to do with everybody is, is when you purchase something from us, it's not just appreciated things. We work with them throughout the entire show season. We suggest, okay, if I was going to breed this one, I would suggest something that looks like this. So we, we try to keep that relationship going throughout the, the length of their project. It's still a relationship business, right? Yes. still a relationship business. So, uh, Mark, when we come over to uh, uh, to Wilson County on your place, how, how do you – I know you've got registered uh, – uh, animals as well, and and certainly uh, we've talked in prior episodes about uh, some of the uh, retail meat marketing. But how how do you market your your lambs? It's it's those are the two two areas we have a purebred flock um, that that is is for show purposes, and we sell a lot of stud rams and stud ewes out of that uh, out of that flock. Uh, some going to show flocks, and and some just going to commercial flocks. We'll sell Hampshire rams to uh, commercial breeders that just want a, a fast-gaining uh, ram to put on their ewes to get a little more growth. Uh, we've been around a long time, so word of mouth sells a lot of those. Uh, we found the social media is a good good outlet, especially for selling outside of Tennessee. You just put a, a post up and you'd be surprised how many people uh, are looking uh, at that time, and that that's part of it is timing. Yeah, you know, if you're selling rams, uh, people are turning in rams August, September, so you need to have your rams up around uh, June and July when people are, are looking for them. Um, the The freezer lamb market uh, is is growing; it's booming for us. Uh, we we sell in two farmers markets: one in Las Casas, which is a live farmers market in in uh, on Saturdays. Uh, the other, the newest one is a online market in Murfreesboro where we put our, our product on their website and people uh, select what they want online and uh, we deliver it to a central location uh, in Murfreesboro. Uh, the advantage of that is uh, 
when you go to a farmer's market, you have no idea who's going to come, what they're going to want. So you kind of have to stock the cooler with all different types of of, uh, of cuts. Uh, with this, I have a, an, a list of what people have brought, and that's all I have to bring. I can drop it off. A lot of times I'll stay and visit with the customers, but if I'm in a hurry, I can just drop it off and uh, it'll get to them. But it's, uh, it's a good way to, to make probably double your money on a freezer lamb uh, instead of just selling the whole lamb at 2 or $3 a pound. You're getting maybe 4 or $5 a pound. Uh, but, but it takes some time uh, to, to market that. Uh, but you get to, I, I enjoy the working one-on-one with the people. Uh, something else I've found that helps sell it is, is visiting with them and talking about cookery methods. Because uh, lamb is one of the, the tastiest meats that are out there, in my opinion, uh, but it goes south right quick if it's overcooked. So we we stress the importance of of good cookery methods, getting it cooked properly, but not not overdoing it. Really good, really good. So so Josh, when it comes to uh, sale day at, over at the UPI barn in Columbia, walk me through the process. Of, you know, I'm, I'm bringing a, a, a load, whether it be you know, 50 or, or five, and I'm coming in, I drive in. What what happens from there? What, okay. what do I do? Okay, so uh, we actually have a drive-through at our location, so uh, folks are able to drive through. Uh, we'll unload you. Um, we'll write you a ticket right there, name, address, phone number, everything. Uh, one, the state of Tennessee now requires uh, scrapie tags on every animal. Uh, we are a market that is allowed to put scrapies in for that person, um, so we do that in-house for you. Uh, then the, the animals are sorted uh, by age. Um, so anything under a year to us is, is is still a kid, obviously. Anything older is old. We do mark yearlings, um, but after that, it's it's considered old. Uh, we size and sex, and then they go to the state grader. So we use a state grader um, that uh, you know basically touches almost every animal that comes through that barn. Um, so when we have a thousand to two thousand head, he's touched every one of them. Um, and then they go to like like groups. Those animals then go on the scales, and they go to like groups, and uh, we'll sell, you know, anywhere from five to a hundred in a pen, uh, depending on, on on how that is, and uh, and ship those all over all over the United States. So so because they're graded and grouped doesn't mean you lose track of them. You, you ever I might have mine in there with four or five other. Uh, producers, which gets me a better option to buyers, it gives me a better access to buyers with a larger group. Uh, but but you know who's or who's, so everybody's going to get their their correct check. Right? They, they sure are. So uh, uh, we actually have mousetraps set up in the barn from the time the animal unloads till it gets to the scales. Uh, we have a piece of paper that goes with that producer's stock, and it allows us to keep track of everything. And I'm usually the person that does that. I stay with the animals till they get to to the sorting pens and then once they go on the scales we uh, have a, a unique number that goes with with the identification of that farmer and that goes in our system and they get weighed and the, the the scale house names the pen and we print out a sheet and it comes with your check or you can get it any time actually but it tells you what your animals weigh because we could weigh if you have five kid goats that weigh the same they're all males we could weigh them all together and um, it'll tell you the average weight and uh, what pen they went in and what grade they made and yeah that stays with you the whole time so yeah we can we can track track everything and obviously with scrapey tags we can go back and track um, which happens we have to track from time to time uh, if, if the uh, usda or somebody needs us to look something up but yeah we can 
track, which is something that's going to be obviously changing. Uh, in another segment, Doc was talking about uh, traceability stuff. It's 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 coming. You guys already see it in the in the registered side. Absolutely, and I I appreciate that, and certainly. Uh, I've had experience selling, you know, at the UPI barn, and I certainly uh, believe it to be a very uh, outstanding operation. And kudos to you and your staff uh, for for what you do uh, for the sheep and goat industry, uh, especially in in the state. But I, I know UPI has goat sales in Kentucky and other places, so and, and sheep sales. So uh, certainly uh, uh, helping uh, the industry, and we really appreciate that as well. And and so. Uh, when we talk about uh, marketing, uh, I wanted to follow back up, Mark, with you because uh, you mentioned having wool breeds, and I grew up with wool breeds, and, and my, my brother actually went to spent six months in Finland, and he learned to really shear, and, and, and I hate it, so I, I went to that, the hair sheep route. So, so uh, anyway, uh, but, but selling wool, can you talk just a little bit? I know you've been really instrumental and involved in the wool pool, and uh, talk a little bit about that and 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 uh, uh, Tennessee's uh, involvement with that. The uh, the Tennessee Sheep Producers Association has a uh, a wool pool where uh, sheep producers can bring their wool together uh, in in one central location and it's uh, it's sold as one big lot. Uh, if I, I produce uh, six seven hundred pounds a year, which is is not very much for somebody wanting to buy a large quantity. So if I was trying to sell that, they, I wouldn't get very much for it. But the fact that we have a pool where everybody can bring their, their wool together and it be 15, 20,000 pounds of wool, uh, that, that is marketable and, and worth, worth a whole lot more than just an individual bag. But our, uh, we believe our, our wool pool is one of the oldest in the country. It's been going on for a very long time. Uh, one of the reasons our pool is, is so uh, uh, nice or, or uh, something that people want, want to uh, look at and purchase is uh, we bale all of the wool that's brought in. Uh, so instead of selling uh, 700, um, you know, 100, 100, 120 pound bags of wool, uh, we'll sell it in 400 pound packs, which stacks into a uh, a truck very easily. It's very easy to, to transport, which makes the our wool very marketable. Uh, but the way the, the process works is we uh, we start in uh, middle of April, and we send out uh, an email to all of our buyers and say we're going to have roughly twenty fifteen to twenty thousand pounds of wool ready to to purchase in in uh, June middle of June, and. Uh, it's just like any auction, the highest bidder wins. And so our bidders, our buyers actually selected in April. Uh, we send all that information out to our sheep producers and set two dates in June, uh, usually a Tuesday and a Thursday. And we set up at uh, a Columbia Co-op in, uh, in Middle Tennessee and Dandridge Co-op in uh, East Tennessee. And uh, those are two places where... Uh, People can, farmers can bring their wool in and uh, uh, all of the wool is sorted and graded and you're, you're, we write a ticket for each producer as far as the type of wool they bring and the, the tonnage and give that to the producer and then we take that wool and we bale it by grade. So all of the, the white face wool goes in, in one section, all the black face wool in another and so on. 
and then the, the buyer has already agreed to, to the price, so the, the producers know exactly what they're going to be getting, and, uh, and uh, then they come and pick it up, and it's, it's uh, processed then. Uh, one, one drawback of that is we, we have to have balers in order to do that, and our, our balers have been down, uh, and we're having trouble getting, getting our balers. So our, our whirlpool has been called off for this year, but we've got several grants that we're looking at to, to get some balers to get the, that program back up and running. Very good. Thank you for that. And so as we wind this episode up, uh, I wanted to mention one other thing, uh, especially, uh, Mark, as we as we wind up. One of the real assets Tennessee has had has been the Ag Enhancement Program. And for sheep and goat uh, producers, certainly there are options there to get cost share on on equipment, uh, uh, even genetics, I think. And, 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 and so we certainly want to... Uh, uh, thank the Tennessee Department of Agriculture, first of all, for continuing to uh, fight for, for us to have that funding as producers, not only on the sheep and goat side, but on the cattle side uh, as well. But but uh, uh, also want to make our audience aware that, that that is available. So if you would just comment about the uh, uh, the application period and and uh, just a few brief comments about uh, the uh, ag enhancement. Yes, I would I would definitely encourage any sheep producer to to look at this program uh, for for sheep producers. Uh, there's there's a number of things uh, that they can that they can purchase. Uh, a lot of the livestock equipment, the handling equipment uh, for sheep, uh, shears, uh, trimming stands, things like that are all cost shared on this on this program. Uh, the application period is in the fall, uh, in October, and you've got about a week or two to, to apply. And then once, once you apply, you can purchase uh, the equipment through the fall, winter, and spring, and then get your reimbursement back uh, in, in late spring. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not a, a program that's utilized as much as I'd like uh, through the sheep, uh, sheep breeders, um, and I would encourage people to, do, to, uh, to look at that program. Really good. And so, uh, Dr. Hamby, I know being in training and education, certainly there is a training and education component to ag enhancement. And, uh, you know, talk to us just a little bit about how important it is. Uh, I guess take your producer hat off maybe in your training and education. How important education is to not only sheep and goat producers, but all producers. How important is it that we stay up to date? Oh, it's it's critical, and and I think really the genesis of you think about the ag enhancement program is to really ensure because there is an educational component to it, and you can really enhance how much you can get reimbursed for certain elements of that with with education that's that's done or uh, really orchestrated by University of Tennessee Extension. So to that end, it's I think it's critical if you're a starting sheep producer to lay that foundation uh, to get in there and learn you know, all you can to, to not make those mistakes. Because again, you think about, well, once had a, had a farmer kind of qual- qualified to me this way, I wish there was this pool of information that we could all share effectively because like I've been farming for 50 years and it's like every year I learn a big lesson that's cost me money and sometimes more so than others. So say all that to say this, you know, again, what can we do early on to minimize the errors that we might make in managing and producing sheep or goats uh, but to that end, as you grow in the you, you grow in the trade, I still think there's an opportunity for ongoing or continuing education to share ideas 
and to collaborate with others. This is what I've been trying here, been trying there, not only from a management perspective and a commercial scenario, but show stock as well, what supplements tend to work best to maximize performance and the like. I just see there's a great opportunity, not only for that initial education, but also the continuing component too. And so that's, you know, Josh, that's the business you're in is education and you're you're uh, uh, trying to, uh, I guess, instill in young people uh, the importance of education. And, yes, and and by doing that, I know at Spring Hill, uh, you brought in some livestock. I know hogs for yes, sure, but yeah. I don't know about the sheep and goats yet, but, but certainly I can imagine that there are some some of those students that are taking hold of that and yes, sir. moving on. So, yep. uh, so uh, as we wind up, I uh, just want to say thank you uh, to Mark and Josh and Josh and, and Dr. Hanvey. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. And I would say to our audience, uh, uh, if there's any questions, products, information, uh, check with your local farmers co-op. Thank you.